Bretto after an extremely tough 2020 for many it is so exciting to announce our first in real life event for 2021 Oh, MP, it's an understatement to say we miss connecting with our tribe, but it makes the 2021 wellness breakthrough all the more exciting. If you're ready to rebound or to make a comeback and even make 2021 your best year yet, you are warmly invited to join Brett, myself, and an intimate group of like-minded souls at the wellness breakthrough from February 5 to 7. Imagine yourself tucked away in the serene Streslecki Ranges of Gippsland, Victoria. You don't have to cook, you don't have to clean or do anything domestic. We feed you, we accommodate you, we hold the space for you to create your own wellness breakthrough. Whether it's in your health, your relationships, work, life, wealth, spirit, any part of your life, you can expect major transformation at our most intimate event. We'd love for you to join us, but spaces are strictly limited to 20 attendees. And as we record this, we have less than 10 spaces left. For more info, to watch the highlights of previous years and to join us from February 5 to 7 in 2021, go to thewellnessbreakthrough.com. I think one of my biggest things I've learned over the last even probably two years, and if not more this year, is that and a good friend of ours who's probably... Um, Janine Howard has taught me is I'm not available. Like I love her words, I'm not available. You know, that I'm not available for this or I'm not available for that. That has been my biggest, I guess, mantra this year is choosing what I am available for and what I'm not available for and actually owning that decision and not feeling guilt about it, not feeling remorse, not having anxiety about it, not worrying about what are my friends going to think, what are my family going to think, is just making that decision and owning it and being available for what you want to be available for and having the, the having, I don't want to say the balls, but having, you know, the balls to go, I'm not available for that. I'm not available for the toxic people. I'm not available for the negativity. I'm not available for whatever it is that you're not available for. Own it and don't, don't be afraid and don't get anxious about owning your decisions. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast, the show that helps crack open your heart and inspire a deeper regard for your own well-being and happiness. Proudly brought to you by 28 Essentials, here's your host, the gorgeous Kim Morrison. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast. I'm super excited this week as we head into a brand new year to have a very special friend on the show, my gorgeous girlfriend, Tam Wrigley. Now, Tam is an amazing soul, and as you'll hear in this interview, she talks a lot about her ability to be a chameleon, the way she loves to change, the way she adapts so easily, and when she sets her mind to something, how she'll often do whatever it takes to make sure she gets it done. She is a high achiever. She's had 23 years in real estate. She also has had an amazing career in television, uh, radio, media. She's a fashionista queen, and she also has has interviewed me a number of times on her shows like The Wine O'Clock Show, iStyle TV and Beyond Beautiful. And I just think what you'll love about her is her no BS approach to life. What she wants to do, she'll do it. What she sets her mind to, she does it. But as you'll also hear in here, there's times where she's been pushed and challenged. She too gets hurt. She too worries. And she has also been fearful of not achieving or succeeding. 
And as we lead in to 2021, I really hope that you take every word that she says and really think about your own contribution to this coming year of 2021. What is it that you would love to create, be a part of, sit back, watch, enjoy, or just allow things to unfold given the kind of complex year that we've already had in 2020? Whatever you decide, however you look into the new year and whatever you're doing on New Year's Eve, from my heart to yours, I want to wish you a very happy new year and thank you wholeheartedly for tuning into the Self Love Podcast. We have some amazing guests lined up for 2021. So to finish with the beautiful Tam has been a phenomenal year for me and something I really, truly look forward to sharing with you guys in the coming years. So with that, my dear friends, my amazing listeners, I really appreciate all your five-star ratings, your comments, your feedback on my Facebook page, Kim Morrison Training, and also my Instagram page, Kim Morrison and the number 28. I have absolutely loved having you as a part of the show, and I especially want to acknowledge my beautiful business, 28 Essentials, the team, the crew, my business partner, my husband, my family, everybody that is in behind 28 my gosh, what a ride it's been 2020 and how exciting that we not only have made it this year, but we've also launched a number of incredible products with some very exciting products to come in 2021. Thanks guys. Enjoy today's show. I know you're going to love it as much as I did recording it. Cannot wait to see you next year, bright and shiny, ready to love yourself even more than you've ever dreamed or imagined. Take care, be kind. So beautiful Tamara Wrigley, as you can tell with the intro, you are one of my nearest and dearest, a friend that I've known for a very long time. And it is such an honor and a privilege to interview people that I know intimately well and get to travel and socialize and be with. So welcome to the Self Love Podcast. Oh, thank you for having me, Kimmy. Oh, it's such a treat, isn't it? I know I've been on your beautiful show, um, the Beautiful You program that you ran, and it's been a privilege to watch you shine and grow. But just for our beautiful listeners who may not know everything there is to know about Tam, could you give us a little background as to who you are, what it is you love to serve and do things with, what is it that you love to do with your life? Oh, that's a good question because I'm sort of like, I feel like I'm a bit of like a chameleon because I change all the time yeah. <laughs> what I'm doing. I mean, originally I started off, I, I mean, I left school in grade 10, so, you know, not knowing what I wanted to do and I just fell into the real estate game. So, you know, for 23 years I've been in real estate. Um, owned and operated five agencies across southeast Queensland and still have one today on the Sunshine Coast. But um, probably about, I'd like to say probably six years ago, I sort of changed paths and thought, oh, I'm, you know, I'm sort of done what I wanted to do with real estate. And I thought, what else could I do? And I, it was actually, I was really, um, really sick. And my husband said to me, well, you know, and I said, I don't want to do real estate anymore. And he goes, well, what do you want to do? And I said, I really want to do it, be a TV presenter. And he said, well, go and do it. So with that approval, off I went and started a career in TV. And as you said before, you know, I've had you on the Beyond Beautiful and um, uh, what the Wine O'Clock show, we've created that and iStyle TV. So I, I created my own online TV shows and the Wine O'Clock show was the one that sort of launched and took off exponentially. Um, 
and you know from there I've just it's it's been an amazing amazing journey in that media realm and you know doing radio and tv and you know head to the logies every year and do the red carpet you know Maya fashion ambassador you know like there's just been so many doors that have opened since I've launched that second part of my career I think what's so cool about you is that you find something you're interested in and don't just use it as a hobby. Is it fair to say that when Tamara loves something, she goes in, <laughs> you know, full, full tip, so to speak? <laughs> oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. I'm not, I'm, I'm probably one of those people that are a high achiever. You know, I set myself, you know, as you said, I just, I don't want to do it just because it's a hobby and it looks like it's fun. I want to be like the best at it. So, you know, when I bought, Carolyn's the the real estate office like I think it's 12 years ago now um it was like a really rundown office to put the guy that we bought it off was um dying of motor neuron disease and um his staff just you know once they found out he was dying they really didn't care so it went to ruins a bit and um when I took it over I think we had about 100 managements and you know a sales department that had been gutted and my goal was, you know, in five years was I'm going to be the biggest and the best agency on the Sunshine Coast and, you know, I'm, I'm going to grow this exponentially. And within, I think, three years we had reached a 1,000 properties with a staff of 20. You know, we, you know, we'd grown the business so much so that my five years was three, you know, my five-year goal turned into my three-year goal. And it was at that point I sort of went, oh, you know, well, what, what more could I do here? But, yeah, I'm, I'm a, I set the bar quite high. So I find I do, you know, get disappointed and deflated if, it, if I don't achieve those goals or if I don't get to where I want to go. It's, I, do, I look at it as a failure. But, um, you know, does, does that stop me? No, I keep going. Yeah, it's pretty fascinating, isn't it, when you do have those high morals and those high values. And I know you, you have got the biggest heart on the planet. You're also somebody who whilst achieves highly and is definitely a go-getter. You've also, you know, you've had some tough times and you've you've alluded to it just briefly there. It all sounds so easy listening to you say you launch online programs, you know, the beautiful, beyond beautiful show and your wine o'clock show. But, you know, that takes a lot of guts, a lot of grit, and a hell of a lot of determination, willpower, and a lot of setbacks, I would imagine. Is that true? Oh, 100%. You know, people look at me and go, oh, my God, you know, you do so well and look at you shine. And, you know, what they don't see is, you know, for probably the first three years, like really the Wine O'Clock show only took off. We've done five seasons, probably only took off in the last two seasons, you know, so it was it was a lot of me getting up at five o'clock in the morning and pounding what I'd like to call that maybe virtually pounding the pavement pavements, I guess, is, you know, building relationships with people and doing that hard slog, that hard ask and email after email and ask after ask and you keep getting no's and no's and no's and you know, you get that one, one and you just get so excited. Yes, they want to come on the show and you know, and you hope that that one person, somebody else will see it and go, oh, that looks like a great show. I want to go on it too. Or So, you know, it was very hard because I was getting a lot of rejections. I was getting a lot of no's over, you know, one sporadic yes every now and then. Um, so, you know, it did become deflating and, you know, I'm thinking, well, why am I doing this? You know, I keep every morning, every morning from five o'clock until seven o'clock at night, you know, it was, I was in front of this computer just 
building, building, building relationships, reaching out to people, stalking people on, you know, Facebook and Instagram and, you know, like reaching out to whoever I could and, um, you know, going through people's PR agents was hard because they don't want to know you unless you're, you know, Michael Jackson or something, someone huge. And, um, you know, so it took a very, very long time to establish and build friendships, relationships um, in this industry. So that to me was really deflating, you know, and that was hard because I just had this great concept and I thought my show was, you know, going to be a huge success in the beginning and, um, you know, I thought everyone would want to come on. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you want to come on and have, you know, this lighthearted conversation and a giggle and a laugh about the week that was, you know, and, um, yeah, so for me it got, it, it got really deflating and, and it was just that one, it was this one guy in Channel 9 who gave me a go and I think the first one was he put on, um, he wanted to promote Family Food Fight, which was a Channel 9 series. I think they only did one, one season of it, but they had um, Hayden Quinn on as one of the judges and um, Tom, is it Tom Puckage? Tom Puckage, um, who's Camilla's mm. son? Hmm. Parker Bowles. Yes, Parker Bowles. And we had those two on and they said, can you come to Sydney? And we want to have, we want to promote the show basically. And um, I think they were just putting it out there to so many um, media just to, you know, to build that hype that I just, I got caught up in that um, email out and it was like, great. Okay. Well, yeah, let's go to Sydney. I remember filming that episode in the CEO's office in channel nine on his couch thinking, holy crap, I'm sitting here in channel nine, not only in channel nine, Sydney, but I'm sitting in the CEO's office using his office as my studio while I film this episode. And then it was from there that every time, um, you know, the, the, the publicist for Channel 9 wanted to promote something. He would reach out to me, Hamish and Andy came on the show or, you know, like all that sort of stuff. So it was just that like one little break that just made it. Mm. If you had one message to someone listening to this, I mean, we're heading into a brand new year. 2020 hasn't exactly been the easiest of years for most people. And for many people, they've become a little disillusioned or maybe even concerned that their business plans for this year or their big dreams or their hopes for things that they were doing. If you had one word of advice or one, um, you know, really quintessential thing that you think is really important when it comes to never giving up on your dream, what would that be? Yeah, see, it's funny. I, as you said, like a lot of people have really been negative, I guess, about 2020 with, you know, COVID was just a, a, a hyper steroid flu or something, let's say. Like it was, and like, not, not um, saying it wasn't a massive thing, but it was. But what I think 2020 taught me and the message that I wanted to get out to people is like not looking at it as the glass half empty but the glass half full is that you have been you have been forced to to rethink your business structure and your business module and not only for I think for the better you know they you know you look at a lot of businesses now in the CBD we've just proven this year that you don't actually need to be sitting in an office in the CBD to be able to do your job. So, you know, you could be doing it at home or you could be doing it anywhere. The technology is such, we just, I think, fell into this comfortable state where 
this is our life because this is how, how it's been told we should live our lives. And then COVID hit and we all get sent home and everyone starts panicking and businesses start panicking. But the amount of people I've spoken to over the last, you know, six months, they're all excited about how COVID made them rethink their business module and rethink their structure. And it's actually been for the better. So I think for me, it's, you look outside the box, you know, don't just, don't just have these, these blinkers on or that think, well, this is what society's told me and how I should run a business. You know, it's like, well, think outside the box and don't give up. You know, like there's, there's always an answer for everything. You've just got to find it. Yeah, I love that. And I think the most important thing of all is to never give up on yourself. Mm. And often our intention can be bigger than the goal. And sometimes the universe, would you agree, throws us things (laughs) that actually steer us in ways that may not feel right in the moment. Yet when you sit back and take a breath, and this is something I've really admired about you, is that you take that deep breath, you have a look, you might be disappointed or disillusioned, like you said, but you don't seem to stop what is that in you? <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I look, I don't give up because I think for me giving up and, you know, is I, I think it is as, as a failure. Like I, oh, if I give up, I failed at that. Um, so I just, I do, and I, I love it because my husband has taught me the 24-hour rule. So it's like I could get a piece of information or something could be sent to me or something and I could just go, oh, my God, that's just shit, you know, like rah, 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 and I want to do this, this, and this. And Pete's like, Tam, just 24 hours, digest it, think about it, rah, 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 and come back to it in 24 hours. And, and it's so true. You have a different mindset when you come back to something 24 hours later than what, when it first hits you. So for me, it's like um, I, I, want, I, I digest things now and I give myself the 24-hour rule before I respond to anything or before I'll, you know, um, jump or leap or whatever it might be. Is that actually having, like, having that time to just let it di- marinate and digest. So, you know, I, yeah, I just, that's my favourite thing I do at the moment. But, look, I just never give up because I know what I want. And I'm only going to be the driver of my own success. No one else is going to get me to where I want to go. So you've got to put the effort in. Yeah, it's so true. Talk to me a little bit about this podcast is the the self-love podcast. I know there's been times when you haven't felt a lot of self-love, but you still seem to find a way to rise above that as well. What is your definition of self-love? I do like I you know me Kimmy I struggle big time with you know valuing myself and um I don't think anything that I do is exceptional but I guess everyone else tells me that it is but I don't see it um self-love that's a good that's such a good question because I mean everyone has these different perceptions of what self-love for me it, it's I feel loved when I've got my good friends and family around and that support. For me, I think it's a big support mechanism to feel that love. Um, I don't really, you know, it's not about people blowing wind up my skirt or anything like that, but it's just having that connection with your family and your friends and then, you know, reaching out or being around you or I'm a connector. You know, I love being connected to people, so I love having that um 
people just ringing, let's go for a coffee or let's go for lunch. To me, that is my self-love. I love having that around me. Um, the other thing I love, and it's probably it's like that, and you, you say it so well and I love it and I steal it off you all the time, is that um, uh, what is it, self Self-care isn't essential. Isn't selfish. selfish. It's essential. Yeah. And um, you know, I love being. But I then got. I love being on my own. So I love ha- taking time out to myself. I'll go down to the farm. I've got a, a, this place down in Victoria. I love to go, which is the farm, and I call it the farm. And I will just go down there on my own for five days, disconnect from everybody, and that to me is self-love and self-care, and that re-energizes me and and gets me going you know for another six months so there's I sort of contradicted myself there but you know one hand I love having people around me but I also love the fact that I can spend some time on my own and that's for me is my own little private piece of self-love it's almost like you're talking about the opportunity to recharge you are Mm. somebody who really does feed and get a lot of energy off people but you also have the ability to turn within take that time and recharge with your own self and I think that's something that a lot of people confuse the word loneliness or to being alone Mm. and alone time can often be one of the greatest recharges of all what would you say to someone who through this year has has struggled being alone or has been forced into isolation or has had to be away from people and have really, you know, been peeved with this year? Mm. What would you say to them? What's something that someone that is on their own a lot, what can they do to recharge and reconnect? I guess they've got to, you know, is probably enjoy the time, you know, enjoy the, the, you know, if you have to go into isolation for 14 days or if you have to stay in your home and you can't leave for 14 days, how about just enjoying that 14? When was the last time you got to spend 14 days at home or, you know, just doing nothing or just, you know, like get out in the garden or, you know, clean out the cupboards? It's just don't look at it as a negative. Don't look at this virus or this whatever's happening in the world and these 14 days quarantine or being stuck at home as a negative you know, think about it as how good is this? When was the last time I actually did get to spend some time at home, like full days and nights at home? Um, There's not a lot of us that can sit there and put our hand up and say, you know, with us working every day at the office and only really getting Saturday and Sunday at home and that time you don't want to be, you know, out there, you know, painting the house or, you you know, it's sort of your downtime. So, I'm like one of these things like I would love to have 14 days at home where I can just potter around my house, clean out the cupboards, you know, do a bit of a spring clean, even, you know, go down to the hardware shop and, and, and put some paint on the walls if they need paint. Like, you know, I don't, I don't see it as a negative. And I know it's hard like Christmas, you know, you're spending time. This is one once in a lifetime like, you know, this is one year out of maybe your 80 or 90 years where you may not get to spend time with your family. It's it's like the little picture. It's, you know, like we, we're focusing on these little thing and making it as too big, I think. You know, I, I'm like, this is just one year out of your however many you, you're on this earth for. So just, you know, embrace the time and enjoy the time and don't look at it as a negative and, you know, maybe sit down and write your goals for 2021, you know, or, you know, what are you going to do when you get out of this bubble that we're in? And, you know, is that meaning refocusing on your business strategies and maybe set your next five-year goal plan in place? Like there's so much you can do with this time that you've got. 
You're absolutely right. And even doing your, you know, sorting your photo albums, clearing yeah. your emails. Yeah. I guess the hardest thing, it's it's probably easy for people like yourself and and, and myself that do have a very rose-coloured tinted glasses. We do have the glass half full. There's a lot of melancholic people. That's not to say they're negative or depressing, but they have a more melancholic tone and outlook on life where they see the problem before they see the outcome. It's not a good thing. It's not a bad thing. And often it is actually a good thing to have these people around for people like you and I, because we'll often just go full, full tit at something and yet someone like that will see the problem. So those kind of people, and we all know them and, and there's people like that in our world, they're the ones that seem to, and this is just through my own experience, seem to have found this the hardest, um, the very doom and gloom, very hard to see the positive outcome here. What would you say to those people? Because it's not their fault. It's not mm. It's not like they're, they've got a, they're terrible people. It's just for them, it's very difficult to see through that. Is there any piece of advice mm. you have for us in that realm? Yeah, it, it's hard because you don't know, you know, everyone's mindset is different when it comes to this sort of stuff. But all you can do is just know that this this will end too. You know, it is something that will end and we will all get back to normality at some point, whether that be in the first half of next year or, you know, it, it's, I guess, it's, it's really hard for me to answer that question because I don't know what advice to give them because all you can say is it will pass. This too will pass and you'll be looking back at this in two years' time or three years' time going, do you remember when we were like this? And, you know, like you, they, it, it's like anything in life, I guess, is that while you're in the mix of a catastrophe or something, this will be something you'll look back on and you will actually grow from this experience and you'll actually learn from this experience. And it, it, and it's like I think anything in life and evolution is that we've all learnt through the years on how to handle things and through the decades on how to handle things. This is just one of those life curveballs that have been thrown at us in 2020 um, that we're learning to deal with and get on with. You know, like, yeah, I don't. For me, it's just uh, it, it will pass. So why are we expending so much negative energy on something that will will pass and yeah, we get to move on? It's so true. Tell us some of the things. I know we, 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 you have done a number of things this year. One of the, the big things that you chameleoned into this year was becoming a house renovator and uh, kind of before and after. Talk to us about that. What got you inspired to use this year, COVID year, to launch into a whole another way of being? Yeah, I know. It's um for me, like I've been doing my husband and I've been doing property developments for about 23 years. So, you know, we've always built things. So we've always built light industrial or townhouses, units, homes, whatever it might be, commercial. Um, we've never actually and look, we and we own a lot of real estate as well, but we've never actually renovated anything. We, when we've bought homes, they've been to either redevelop down the track or, you know, we've bought it as, as an investment and we've got tenants in it and really didn't need renovating. And then so when COVID hit this year, obviously with me being in the media, all the media stopped. So I couldn't fly to Sydney. I couldn't fly to Melbourne, I, you know, to film anything or um so I had to think about, well, what, is, what am I going to do? How long is this pandemic going to last? What am I going to do? Um, and Pete, my husband being Pete and always looking out for opportunities, um, we end up buying this house 
that needed extensive renovations. Um, and I said to him, well, why don't I try and do some, you know, this, this isn't hard. <laughs> Surely it just needs like a lick of paint. <laughs> and um, five months later, you know, and I think about full grey hair of head and this 70-year-old house that needed total renovation because it was um, eat, eaten out by termites. It had 70-year-old wiring and plumbing and the back extensions were all illegal. So, yes, this you know, easy that I, in my inverted commas, um, renovation ended up taking me five months to do. So during the pandemic, I be, yeah, I started renovating this house and um, learnt so much, you know, because I'm, I'm a bit of a creative. So, you know, doing this really, um, it really heightened those creative passions of mine. So, you know, redesigning bathrooms and choosing paint colours and, you know, do I polish the floors? What will carpet look like? putting in new kitchens, designing new kitchens. It was just, it, when I say kitchens and for the listeners, is that this house had, you know, six bedrooms, three bathrooms, two lounge rooms, two kitchens. So it was a big, big renovation. Um, so, yeah, I, I tried my hand at a bit of renovation, loved it, actually got in there every day. So I wasn't just like a project manager. I was in there ripping out walls, ripping out kitchens, building kitchens, painting um full-on hands-on for five months and I absolutely loved it so yeah that's you know another feather in the cap besides um all the other stuff I do in my life um renovation is now one of them <laughs> I felt like following your Tam Wrigley underscore page following that on Instagram was like watching my own girlfriend do her own version of the block okay. it was it was it was amazing to see and the color schemes and then you choosing things um, that looked amazing but cost a third or a half or a quarter of the price that you would have expected. Yeah. What was your biggest learning out of that? My biggest learning um, is don't uh, sort of, I think it's more probably expect the unexpected <laughs> <laughs> with this house. Um, a lot of the things where, you know, on face value, like looking at the home and you look at it, go, oh, yeah, okay, that just probably needs a little paint, you know. I, I remember the bar downstairs bathroom um, looking at it going, yeah, you know, probably look, it just, it's very dirty, you know, let's just clean this shower up and look, we'll, we'll replace the vanity basin, new toilet, and, you know, this bathroom will be fine. Little did we know that, you know, the uh, termites had, eaten out the entire bathroom so literally the timber was in the walls were just was threaded so those walls would would fall down within you know weeks or months you know they would I don't know how they were still up so for me you know going hmm from somebody who's probably could was just thinking maybe about a thousand dollars on this bathroom turned into you know a five thousand dollar bathroom <laughs> So, yeah, it, my biggest learning was don't, you know, expect the unexpected, especially with these older houses. Um, you don't know what's lying underneath or in walls and that was our biggest, it was the termite damage was the biggest one for us down there. Um, but, hey, you know, th there was, and, and I think the bathroom, I think there was actually when you say there should be photos up on Instagram about the upstairs bathroom when we've, I was thinking, oh, you know, we'll just pull up these tiles and put new tiles down and, you know, 70-year-old house has probably five layers of tiles on this floor um, uh, from five generations of different bathrooms probably. And, um, and then when we pulled all of those up, 
all of the um, floor joists and beams had rotted out and there'd been a massive water leak. So this bathroom is totally gutted right down to you could actually see the outside backyard. That's how far back we had to strip it, um, which that, that was like my biggest like, geez, freaking hell. <laughs> yeah. It was pretty mm. tough. And I remember yeah. I, I remember for us renovating, it's always been whatever your budget is, quadruple it and be grateful if it's only double. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And all have that contingency, like know that I think that our um, budget was like 120. It blew out to 150, but, you know, um, we still, you know, made good money on it in the end. So, you know, we had, had that contingency cash up our pocket in case we needed it, which we definitely did. Speaking of contingencies, life can sometimes throw us curveballs and life can sometimes, you know, be uh, unexpected. As you said, we could even look at life like a property and constantly refurbishing ourselves and constantly, you know, plugging in and trying to do new things. If you could look at the lessons that you've taken from renovating and property and all of those things and apply it to life, what would be some of the greatest gifts that you could give us around someone if they were to, for instance, we could look at renovating our health, we could look at renovating our mindset. Um, what would be some things or things that people have taught you, your mentors, about how to apply yourself physically, mentally, emotionally and spiritually to not only your work but your home and family life? What are some of the biggest lessons mm. you've learned? Such a good question. Um the biggest lessons I've learned is, um, you know, to, obviously to probably just surround yourself with the right people. Um, I'm, you know, I'm one of these people that I want to be friends with everybody and then sometimes that backfires because those people who you let in aren't always the nicest of people or, you know, stuff happens and I'm the one who walks away, mystif- you know, mortified that, this person has done something to me when I was the one who was so quickly to sort of let them into my bubble. So I guess for me, it was, it's, it's about surrounding yourself with the right people and, um, and being sure to my, I think one of my biggest things is, is don't talk about things until they're done. So, and, and that again is something my husband has taught me. So whereas before I get so excited, you know, oh my goodness, you know, I'm going to go and start this TV show. Or, oh my goodness, I'm going to go and do this or do that. And I would tell all my friends, you know, and, and then it might not happen. Or one of those, those, you know, friends that I've let into my bubble might, you know, run off and start doing the thing that I was talking to them about. So for me, um, one of the things that I have learned is probably to keep things insulate to keep things to myself until they're done or they've you know they've launched big time um and then you can go and you know shout it from the mountaintops um of what you're doing um family i guess is really important to me having my 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 sister and my mum um we're very very close i would probably say you know like they would be some of my dearest you know people in my world um, so being surrounded by my beautiful family is, is really important to me. I'm a, I'm a cancer, so I, I do, you know, I'm a, I love to be in my little shell and, you know, I retreat if into my shell if when things start going bad or, you know, I pull back in and, and hide, hide away. But, um, you know, I, yeah, for me it's just having this lessons in life. is such, It's such a hard 
it's such a hard question to answer because you just learn so much in every stage of your life. You know, when I was 10 or when I was 20 or when I was in my 30s or in now in my 40s, you know, you learn different things all the way along in life. Um, and, you know, you take what you learned in your 20s into your 30s and what you've learned in your 20s and 30s into your 40s. Um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a tricky question, Kimmy. Mm. That's pretty cool, though, because I think there's lessons, as you say, for everything. And mm. it, I think more importantly, it's the application of those lessons. It's the learning from them. It's then, you know, I think the older I get, the, the, the more I realise, the less I need to say, and the more I have to learn, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this, the, you know, the, the more I learn, the more I realize I don't know. And I think it's really cool. I, I love your point about surrounding yourself with your right, with the right people. Mm. And also, you know, what, what's your thoughts around, you know, letting, letting go of the people that don't serve you. It's okay. Isn't it? Oh goodness. Yeah. That's my, I think one of my biggest things I've learned over the last, even probably two years, and if not more this year is that, and a good friend of ours who's probably um, Janine Howard has taught me is I'm not available. Like I love her words, I'm not available, you know, that I'm not available for this or I'm not available for that. That has been my biggest, I guess, mantra this year is choosing what I am available for and what I'm not available for and actually owning that decision and not feeling guilt about it, not feeling remorse, not having anxiety about it, not worrying about what are my friends going to think, what are my family going to think is just making that decision and owning it and being available for what you want to be available for and having the, the having, I don't want to say the balls, but having, you know, the balls to go, I'm not available for that. I'm not available for the toxic people. I'm not available for the negativity. I'm not available for whatever it is that you're not available for. Own it and don't, don't be afraid and don't get anxious about owning your decisions. I love that. Amazing piece of advice. Tam, you have had some health struggles in the past. You've had to confront some pretty big things. Would you talk to us a little bit about that and what you've done to support yourself? Because health is one of our greatest assets, and I know it's something that's really important to you. How did you manage to get through that, that challenging time? Yeah, oh, look, I've had, um, I've had a few issues health-wise, but my biggest one was... Um, must have been when I was about 33, so 10 years ago, um, was told that I had endometriosis. And, you know, like many women, we just put up with a lot of things over the years and period pain is obviously one of them. And um, I was told at 33, you've got endometriosis and here are, you know, three options. You could have a hysterectomy, you could go in and have it all scraped out. But he said, you know, in six or 12 months, that may grow back again and you'll be back here doing the same process. Or there was a third option about putting, you know, taking this medication that would trick your body into thinking it was pregnant um, so that because when you're pregnant, obviously it suppresses endometriosis or it helps fight endometriosis. So for me, two of those options weren't like one I don't like putting chemicals into my body so I, I very rarely did I, I took the pill maybe when I was in my teenage years but I never took um the pill throughout my adult life um because I just feel like you know your period's a natural thing so why are we why do we need medication or why do we need a pill to um to do what your body's naturally supposed to do 
So <laughs> that's just my personal opinion. Um, so I don't like putting chemicals into my body. I, so this, this thing about tricking my body was just not an option for me. Um, the scraping wasn't an option for me because I didn't want to go every six months into hospital to have this endometriosis scraped out. And three, at, the, at 33, I didn't want to have a hysterectomy because I didn't know whether I wanted to have any more children. Um, my, my kids were still very young at that point. I think um, it must have been seven and maybe, what is Ashton now? He's eight. So maybe he must have been seven and she was six, five. Um, so for me it wasn't an option. And um, so I just put up with it. I put up with the, the endometriosis for years and the pain for years, not only prior to when I was 33 but even after. And it got to a point where I was now 37 and remember um, going to the toilet one day to do a number two and there was stuff that was come out that wasn't supposed to be coming out and that was like worrying. I was like, oh, geez, you know, I'm going to go and get that looked at. <laughs> and um, and at this point, you know, I was 37. I think the kids were there now, you know, 10 and 12 and I'm thinking, oh, you know, I'm not going back to having babies, blah, blah, blah. I'll get a hysterectomy. So I booked back into the same um, gynecologist I saw, you know, four years prior, three years prior, and um, went in and he goes, okay, this is the operation, be about an hour and a half. They'll leave my ovary so that I don't go into menopause or early menopause at 37. Um, you know, great, happy days. So I booked in and at 4 o'clock and he says, you know, you'll be out in recovery by 6 and I'm thinking, great. So my husband gets a phone call at 7 o'clock at night to say um, your wife's endometriosis is the worst we have ever seen. It has spread through her body like cancer. Um, it's attached itself to major organs that we have to remove. So I had my appendix removed. I had um, about 30 centimetres of the left side of my bowel removed and about half a foot off the other bowel removed. So I had to have two bowel resections. So, and then obviously they've had to clean out all of the um, endometriosis from other parts of my organs that it had just started clumping itself too. So, you know, a two hour, an hour and a half operation turned into a seven hour operation. They had to get bowel surgeons down to do the bowel resections and, you know, end up having to be in hospital for seven days in recovery and then contracted perionitis. So um, was rushed back to hospital. I think I was only home for about four or five days and when I got this massive infection and then was rushed back into hospital for another week to drain the infection out of my body. Um, and so that was my, my <laughs> that was like, that was the moment when I said to Pete, I think it was, you know, in that moment when I was down, I was, you know, I was like 58 kilos and for me that's like skeleton thin because, you know, I'm, I'm like, you know, me, Kimmy, I'm super tall. And, um, you know, if there's somebody who's as big as I am or tall as I am to be 68 kilos, I could literally look in the mirror and could see the bone structure in my face. You know, it was, I was sad. I was depressed. I, you know, life sucked. Um, and I, it was at that moment I turned around to, you know, Pete and we were discussing. I said, I don't want to do real estate anymore. I hate real estate and rah, rah, rah. And he goes, well, what do you want to do? And, that's when I turned around and said, I want to try, you know, and do this TV presenting. He said, well, go on, do it. You know, so for me that changed my mindset in that moment. It was like this this one thing was had gave me something else to focus on. It was like, oh, he's, you know, he's letting me go and do 
something that I want to do and passionate about and I don't have to do real estate anymore after 20 years, hallelujah. And that, you know, brought me out of that funk and started my creative side going and, yeah. Um, so for me, that was probably my biggest health scare I've had. It was my biggest moment of, um, you know, tuning into your body and um, listening to what your body has to say because I procrastinated and as a result of procrastinating, I created the issues that went on within my body. Your body's not meant to be in pain. If you're in pain, there's a reason for it. So for me, it was like my message, I guess, to anybody is to push harder for a result, um, especially anyone who's, who's listening who's got endometriosis, you can't actually diagnose endometriosis without having a laparoscopy. So for you to have to go even to your GP with these pains and they go, nothing's wrong with you, we can't find anything, ultrasounds don't pick anything up, they're not going to. They, you have to I would insist, I want to go and see a gynecologist and insist on having a laparoscopy to see if you have got endometriosis. Because that was my biggest thing. Mm. Yeah, it's frightening, isn't it? And mm. you've certainly uh, pulled out of that, and I just pulled her out, turned yourself around from that. It was it was frightening to see what you had gone through through that whole process. And I know you think that it was it may have been a little bit ignorant, but no, by not doing something about it, or maybe maybe you were too hard on yourself for putting up with the pain for all those years. But I also know that women are pretty good at putting up with a lot of things. And I think the greatest thing I've just heard from you there is get a result, get mm. find out exactly what it is that you've got. I think that's wonderful. Yeah, because we do, like we as women, I think we we do put ourselves last. And this is, you know, this is why I love your, you know, this, this, this podcast, the self-love podcast, and even your newest book. We do put ourselves last. We run a household, we run husbands, we have children, we run businesses. You know, yes, we get these little pains and we sort of go, you know, must, must get that checked out. But then life happens, you know, and things happen and you, you go on with whatever the 3 million things you're doing in your day. And we always do tend to put ourselves last or find the time to, actually go and book an appointment and actually go to the doctor, it's for some reason it is such a big task for us to do that. And I'm just, you know, I don't know about you, but it's like, oh, you know, that means I've got to spend now, you know, 20, half an hour sitting in that waiting room waiting for the doctor. Then you've got to go into the doctor and then you've got to go and get your prescriptions filled or whatever. And for me that was like, oh, it's like so much time out of my day. <laughs> you know, it's just like I could be doing so much more in that hour and 20 minutes I've just had to spend at the doctor's. Um, and I think there's a lot of women who probably think the same way and this is where it comes back to this self-love is putting yourself, you are as important as a meeting or if not more important than a meeting, you're more important than, you know, than the husband and cleaning the house and, you know, servicing the car and whatever it might be you've got planned for the day is scheduling a bit of time for you and making sure that you go and get yourself checked out if you're having issues. Love that. I really do. And I appreciate you saying that because for many women, we often forget to give ourselves permission mm. to do that or permission mm. to have time out. Tam, another, I just want to segue from there because I just love the fact that the other part of your chameleon is um, fashion. You are an amazing fashion icon. You look sensational in anything you put on. Um, but you're also, you mentioned at the beginning, you're the Maya ambassador. Talk to us a little bit how fashion has played a part in your life. Yeah, I have, it's funny, you know, I was never, 
a fashionista when I was young. I was looking back at photos when I was, you know, my daughter's age, so 14 and 15, and I was like the Blunstons and the jeans, you know, and the Metallica T-shirt and the, you know, it was just never a, it was just never a thing. And then something happens, something, I don't know what it was, something switches. It may be the people you hang around or the people you start getting, you know, involved in, you look at them going, oh, my God, don't they look fabulous, you know. And where, where this passion for fashion grows, I can't put a finger on it. But for me, it started when, um, when I moved to the coast and it was oh, probably before I moved to the coast actually, but I just liked being girly all of a sudden you change from being in your Metallica t-shirt and Blunstons to becoming a girly girl which I never thought I would be and um so I, I guess with my work in the media I sort of started approaching um Maya about when I first started iStyle TV was well can I come into Maya and talk about you know winter fashion trends summer spring um you know the races what to wear with you know your you, design a headpiece and all this sort of stuff. So I used to go into my at Maruchidor and use their shop as my personal um, studio to go and film episodes of iStyle TV and eventually, you know, again, building these relationships um, led me to being their fashion ambassador for, you know, even I think even it stopped obviously this year during COVID, but, you know, for five years I've been Maruchidor's ambassador and, um, you know, they dress me for the shows, they dress me for the races when I have to um, host and MC the fashions of the field, um, Got get to go, you know, to the fashion week and um, my, used to go to Sydney and do the Maya fashion week as well. So, it, it, yeah, it's great. It's fun and I love it. It's, it's like my big closet, you know. It is, I just go in there and just it's so exciting to see what fashion come, is coming out this year and the trends and, you know, I write about it to and some of the major publications, you know, over the years as well. So, yeah, it was just it's just something you sort of I fell into and loved with a passion. And um, it for me, it's great because it changes all the time. You know, you're not talking about the same thing every season. You know, the the fashion changes every eight weeks, twelve weeks. You're getting something different. So for me, it was like a kid in a candy store you know, and, and talking about this fashion that's coming through or these trends or predicting what's going to, what's 2021 look like. And I loved it. Loved mm. it. Yeah. And you, I tell you, listeners, follow Tam on her Instagram page. You'll see what I mean. I also have to let you in on a secret that when mm. Tam does a little clean out, um, <laughs> she, she invites a few of us around and we seem to be able to pick up those things that we could fit. Some of them I'm way too short for, but I can <laughs> tell you some of my little favourite wardrobe pieces have come from the beautiful Tam Wrigley. So I'm very, <laughs> very grateful. Thank you, sweetheart. I know that we haven't got too long to go, but I, I would really love to talk about, we've mentioned a number of your TV shows, iStyle TV, the Wine O'Clock show, which was amazing, which Danny has been a guest yes, on as has. well, um, which I truly loved. Um, but my real favourite, talking about beautiful people, beautiful you, is called Beyond Beautiful. And this show really did get down and dirty, so to speak, with mm. each of your guests. And and when I say dirty, I just mean people talked about the dirt. People talked about the stuff that hurt. What's been some of your favourite interviews or favourite tools or messages mm. or, or inspiration that you've taken from all of those incredible guests that you've had on your show? Mm. 
Yeah, what out of all, as you said, out of everything I've created, I really do love the Beyond Beautiful because this show was created because what we see on social media really isn't what the person is behind closed doors. So we, we you know, we we all tend to paint this picture out there of this perfect life, you know, and um, or perceive it to be perfect on social media. We don't, you don't ever see, you know, the the uglies, the, you know, the warts and all don't seem to tend to get up there. It's just these beautiful, you know, Insta-worthy pictures and stuff. So my my show was about, well, I want to know who you actually are. Like let's let's get real and let's talk about and have real conversations and let, let's be vulnerable and let people in on your world behind or out of the media spotlight or out of the social media spotlight. And, um, you know, so, I, you know, I've, I, you've been on this show, which I absolutely love talking to you because if anyone who follows Kimmy's knows your struggles and your ugly wits too, Kimmy, because, you know, that's part of growing, isn't it? It's a part of, part of being self-love is, is being able to talk about it and let other people in. Um, you know, I had Jodie Gordon or Jodie Anasta on there. She's um, an actress. She's on Neighbours. And she opened up about her, you know, being um, her drug abuse with her ex and she opened up about having a mental breakdown on Neighbours this year. I think it was the beginning of this year and they, you know, made her take time off. So, you know, it was that those sort of beautiful stories that we don't hear about. You know, Samantha Will, uh, is it Samantha Wills, the, the jewellery mm. designer, you know, I loved being a businesswoman myself. I really wanted to get into her head about she created this amazing jewellery line and it was worth, I'm pretty sure it was like 10 or $20 million business and she walked away from it. She just, she just shut the doors. And I'm thinking, why would you not sell? If it's worth $20 million, why are you not selling this business? So, you know, listening to her answer that question and the reasons why she just left $20 million behind um, and, you know, that was what excited me and I like, loved listening to that and, you know, and that's inspirational to other people. I um, I loved listening. I interviewed um, Michael Hill, the jeweller. He's actually, out of probably everyone I've interviewed, I he inspires me the most because of his story and he, and this is where I, I've also got this mindset of that, Age is just a number, you know, I don't want to hear people saying I'm too old for that or, you know, wish I could have done that or, you know, anything like that because you can, you know, you shouldn't let age be a barrier. And Michael Hill is the perfect example because he um, in New Zealand was working for his uncle um, in, as a watch repairer and, you know, wanted to, wanted to start his own jewellery la- label with the uncle and the uncle just refused to let him into his world or be a part of this. And at 40, Michael Hill turned around and went, well, I'll go and start my own business then. And at 40, he started Michael Hill Jewelers. And today at 82 or 80, I think he's 81 now, you know, he has 300 Michael Hill stores across the globe and, you know, obviously a billionaire. But, you know, like at 40, he changed his path. So, you you know, I don't... I've got this conception and this is me at 43. If I want to go and start renovating houses, I will. If I want to go and be a radio host, I will. I don't let age be a barrier. I don't let restrictions in. I, if I want to go and do something, I'll go and do it. 
I love you so much. <laughs> Is that <laughs> too heavy? <laughs> not at all. Not at all. I love it. And I think it's perfect for this New Year's time of year for people to really reach in and listen to this and hear the words for what they are. There is such an opportunity for us all to put age not as a barrier, to put um, experience not as a barrier, to put and mindset, it, yes. Yeah, it, it's frustrating to hear when people say, oh, I'm too old for that. And I'm like, why? Why are you too old for that? My 93-year-old grandmother's learned how to use Facebook this year. <laughs> you know, it's just like how are you, it's, it's your own mindset. It, that's your, you putting that barrier up. No one else is looking at you going, you're too old to be doing that or you're too, look at friggin' was it Sonia Kruger's just come out with smashing body at 55 and she's all over the internet. You're never too old to do anything. No. And I love that my grandmother immigrated over to Australia from New Zealand at 90. So I'm with yeah. you. You're yeah. never too old. If Tamara Wrigley was to choose a legacy, if there was something that she wished she was known for or not known for or whatever it is, what would you love your children, your husband, your, your, the people that love you most to remember you or know you for? I think for me it would be that she set herself tasks and accomplished them. You know, she, she, set, she, she had dreams and reached them. Mm. You know, like I, I want my, I've often said, you know, I'd love my daughter to look at one day and go, you know what, my mum wanted to be, a, uh, you know, a TV presenter and she went and did it. Or my mum want, wanted to, um, you know, build her wealth through property and she did it. Or, you know, look at my mum up there. She just shines and, you know, I'm so proud of that. You know what I mean? Like so it's just more of a the, I want my children to know that they can reach for their dreams. They've just got to work for them, but they've got to reach, you know, that they can reach their dreams. Yeah, I love that. You've spoken about Pete quite a bit. We all love Pete. He's a beautiful soul. Is there something about your relationship? What do you guys do or have, or is there something really important to both of you? You mentioned that when you wanted to go and you said, I wanted to be a TV presenter and he let you. I know you mean that in the way that he uh, he totally trusted you to to go ahead and do what it is that you want to do, follow your dreams. Mm, mm. He has been such an initiator of that. He really does believe in the happy spouse, happy house kind of thing as well as you do. What's your secret formula, you two? I know you have mm. times when you, I know, like any marriage where. struggling. <laughs> <laughs> no one will miss Pete if I just, you know, bury him in the backyard. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, you know, Pete and I have been together. I've known Pete since I was 19 and we were mates before we even decided to start dating. So, you know, we both had um, previous relationships before we got together. But, you know, ultimately we were friends and we were really good friends. You know, we were really good mates. And then we, you know, started those relationships ended and we started dating one another. And um, I think it's been 18 years this year um, that we've been married probably about 20 years since we've been together. And um, look, for it's all about give and take, I think, and, and not having those labels. You know, he's the first one. He'll get, you know, he does the dishwasher and he'll put the washing on and he'll get the washing off the line and he'll take the kids. Like it's, well, it, it, he, does, he doesn't look at life like that's a female's job to do or that's, you know, like that's your job to do. Or, you know, I'm working all day so you can do that. Like it, it really has been a team effort. And, you know, they, yes, there's been, there's been massive times when, you know, I've been, I'm like, that, that's it, you know, like done, 
moving on, you know, but, you know, you walk, you work through it and you go, when I, when I look at, when I'm angry with Pete or, you know, there's issues, I look at, I'm only focusing on the 20%, you know, 80% of the time, this relationship is amazing. All I'm seem to be doing is focusing on this little 20% over here that just irritates the crap out of me, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> but when you look, when you, when you, when you're calm, you know, you're 24 hour room and you're calm and you walk away, you go, well, really 80% or even like 85% of the time, this relationship, it works. You know, we give each other the flexibility and the freedom to do what we want to do. I don't say to him, you can't do this and you can't do that. He doesn't say that to me. Um, we let each other be and we, you know, we come together at the end of the night and, you know, catch up or whatever, but there's none of this um, restrictions, I guess, and none of this you can't do this, you can't do that on both parts. And, you know, I think that's what when when I'm in those moments of I want to leave, I'm that's it, I'm done, I have to remember that you know, it's just an emotion that I'm going through at the moment and this too will pass <laughs> as we've talked about <laughs> and that I've got to remember that 80% of the time or 85% of the time our relationship is really good. He lets me do whatever I want to do. I let him do whatever he wants to do. You know, it, it is it's a really it is a really good relationship and you know, Kimmy, you know, we're, we're great mates and I've had probably the most bitching sessions with you about me. <laughs> And you slap me around a bit, you know, tell me to wake up to myself. But, um, yeah, it's, um, yeah, it, it's, it works. Yeah. Put it that way. He's gorgeous. At the end of the day, it works. <laughs> and, he, and he's a good man. He's such he's a, a caring, man. giving man. Yeah. We, we've had the privilege of having you guys on retreats. And, and I just want to finish up the podcast. You've come away with me on many of my retreats. You came to India where we were at the Taj Mahal on the 11th of the 11th of the 11th. You've come to New Zealand. You have been to Paris and Provence with mm. me when Pete came just last year. We all managed to do that. Tell me what is it that you've loved about the retreats that you've done with with myself? Mm, I love, one, I love the, the people. You manage to find just the right amount of people and the right personalities and the right energy to go away on holiday with, you know, 20 people. When you think about that, that's pretty phenomenal, you know, not, to, to go away with 20 unknown people, you have not a clue who these people are. And at the end of, you know, whether it was, I can't remember how long we were in India for, three weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at the end of three weeks or in the end of two weeks is you've just formed a massive relationship with these people and a connection. And it, it's that heart connection, you know, of finding people either on the same wavelength as you or the same path or get you or, um, you know, look, yes, the scenery is amazing and, yes, we got to see beautiful, you know, Provence, but I think it's more of those connections, the energies, the workshops. You know, I know we did that beautiful workshop um, in Salt, wasn't it, where we Mm -hmm. were in that, yeah, and, you know, like just listening and connecting to each of those women. I know the, the boys are off playing bocce and we were all in um, that hotel and, you know, making those beautiful oils and making, I guess, an oil or a sense, scent that really resonated with us or with as a person or that person um, and just having that, I guess, emotional connection. And it's not, you know, that's not, it's, it's not, that's not the whole trip, but it's an important part of the trip. And 
I think people go on these trips to find something and you definitely find something that you're looking for when you go on these trips. They're beautiful. And I was so looking forward to doing Paris and Provence again next year. Sorry, in 2022, Mm. but we'll be putting that off a little bit. But next year, 2021, I will be running a retreat uh, here in Australia. I'm just working on all the details now. So I, I believe, I completely believe in and agree with you that the right people come and the right energies come at the right times. And I just love the lessons, the learnings, the connections mm. and all of those things. And and I've particularly loved our time um, and the support that you and Pete have shown myself in particular around business and um, you've watched me grow over the last 12 years and mm. um, what you two have done has been phenomenal for me and I just want to publicly acknowledge you both for the love and support that you've always, always shown me and I can't thank you enough from the bottom of my heart, Tam. It's it's meant the yeah. world. And you to us too, Kimmy. You know, the, we both, you, while we may have given you that support business, you've given us that support in um mindset and love and appreciation and you know self-love and you know like there's we've given each other I think a lot (laughs) yeah it's treasured a lot yeah it's treasured sweetheart coming to the end now I I would love to ask you um, firstly apart from Michael Hill is there anyone else that you would love to living or dead love to have dinner with or catch up with or someone that you would love to have met in your time one person yeah one or two and and why i i think i would really love and i don't know why well let's just you know if tom cruise was around let's just say <laughs> <laughs> there wouldn't be much dinner happening but um no i would he's too short for you <laughs> <laughs> there's still for that um i would i would really love to sit down with oprah I love, I just love her philosophy on life. I love, um, she's so intellectual to, you know, just she, her word, you know, her word and her speech is just mesmerising. I think she would be an amazing person to have at the dinner table and, you know, she knows how to have a good laugh and a good joke, but she also knows how to get in there and, and really, you know, get that serious conversation happening or, you know, raises some great insight into topics so I think I'd love Oprah um who else would I have at my dinner table Mm. she'd take up quite a bit of space wouldn't she she'd be stunning to actually hold that space and be around yeah yeah. I think it'd have to be Oprah I really Mm. like Oprah yeah she's been pivotal through our lives particularly our generation growing through the 80s, 90s and into the 2000s. She's been such a big pivotal Mm. part of many of our lives. Um, And finally, you know, a quote, one of your favourite quotes. (laughs) I don't know if I I probably, well, I can probably say this if you, but it's probably not a quote, but it's something that I say to everybody and it's, is having the seven Ps in your life. Like my biggest thing in my mantra is seven P. So prior pre-planning prevents piss poor performance. (laughs) I love that. Say it again. Prior pre-planning prevents piss poor performance. (laughs) Love it. So that's my mantra. That's my quote. That's what I tell everybody. You know, that's, that's it. It's in a nutshell, the seven P's. I love it. And given that and the art of chameleon that you have been throughout your life, and I'm sure there's still many more colors to be seen. 
what would be your advice coming into New Year's where this is going to air just before New Year's Eve? Um, any advice to our beautiful listeners on 2021 or any other things that you can see what a new year uh, gives us an opportunity for? I think with New Year and when you're going into what am I going to do is is being realistic with your uh, either resolutions or what you want to do. Like don't set yourself up to fail. You know, don't put the bar too high um, where, where it's unreachable. So I think mate, by setting yourself little goals, especially with, with the world still so vulnerable and Australia still so vulnerable, is maybe setting little goals, you know, and re- you know, reach those and then set yourself another set of little goals. Because I think if you try and leap too big, especially in the first half of this year, you may be setting yourself up to fail or, you know, to, to fall because we still don't know, you know, look at what's happened just at Christmas time. You know, we all thought we're coming out of this COVID and then bam, something happens and Sydney goes back into lockdown. So, you know, the, the, this country is still so vulnerable with what's happening. Um, I think we need to go into 2021 maybe without too much planning, you know, and wait to see what happens, you know, and, you know, be ready to launch, but don't launch just yet, if that makes sense. Mm, nice, nice. <laughs> and or maybe thinking about be ready to launch. Yes, be ready. You know, be, mm. pre- prepare. Yeah. Um, there's, there's another P we could add yes. to your, <laughs> your eight P's. <laughs> Prior pre-planning prevents piss-poor performance but be prepared. Be prepared. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Tam Wrigley, what a privilege. If people want to follow you, um, what are the platforms we can go to? I'll put them in the notes as well, but just in case someone's out walking or driving, listening to this. Yeah. So Instagram is Tam Wrigley. So that's Wrigley as in chewing gum. So W-R-I-G-L-E-Y. So Tam Wrigley underscore page on Instagram. And then it's just Tam Wrigley on Facebook. Perfect. And make sure you follow her. You can we, we can watch all those amazing shows and iStyle TV, all the different things that you've yeah, done. on the YouTube. Mm. Yes. So what's your YouTube channel? Um, I think it com- still comes in under iStyle TV or the Wine O'Clock Show, but there's all of the renovation. I've just put it all on one platform. So if you search iStyle TV or the Wine O'Clock Show, it will come up. Perfect. Beautiful girl, thank you from the bottom of my heart. I look forward to more catch-ups over the summer with you and all of our Sassy 7 crew. We have a group, those of you listening, that we all get together once a year. There's seven amazing souls, which I intend to have them all on this podcast um, to share with you why we are the Sassy 7 and the the joy that we have throughout the year um, building up to our little weekend away that we do each year. So, Thank you, beautiful Tamara. Oh, it's a privilege. Oh, it's, and I'm really grateful to share you on this New Year's, uh, particularly leaving into this. I think your ideal around being a chameleon, being adaptable, being prepared and being also, you know, not too hard on ourselves as we go into a new mm. year, particularly after this one. I think it, we couldn't have asked for better messages. And so from my heart to yours, Angel, thank you. Oh, thank you and happy new year. Same <laughs> to you, darling. Thanks for listening to the Self Love Podcast. Be sure to write a review and share the love with your friends and family. And head over and visit Kim and her team at 28.com. That's the word 20 and the number 8.com. Take good care.
This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.